Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Weekend's just around the corner. This is one of those weeks, Borky, you talk about them sometimes where it feels like it drags and drags and drags, and then you get to the end, and it's like, oh, wow, we made it to the weekend. Yeah, it's moving at a pretty good pace, considering that yesterday was the one day of the sports year where literally nothing happens. Is it, is it like uh, colloquially called Black Wednesday? Is that the uh, name that has been given to it? If is it's not, right? it should be. Yeah. Well, you know, take a day off. Watch insane pools before you go to bed instead of watching... Highlights. Tough night to be hosting Sports Center, I would have to say. Yeah, they just ran the ESPYs. And speaking of hosting, Tracy Morgan, I had to watch because my wife loves award shows. I shouldn't have brought it up because I told you how much I didn't want to watch it. Yeah. But she asks every time, well, you have a game that you want to watch? And I said, well, there's this sports award show. And she goes, oh, let's watch it. I love award shows. And then she saw on Twitter that Zion and Drew Brees' kids were wearing matching suits. And so then I had no choice. I had to watch the ESPYs because it's the cutest thing ever. Tracy Morgan was awful. Like, cringeworthy. Wait, hold on a second. Zion has a kid? No, Zion and Drew Brees' kids wore oh, matching Zion suits. Zion and Drew Brees' son wore the same yeah he's got three boys tux. so they the all wore this. black tux yeah and it turns out that that was what alvin Kamara wore at the nba or nba at the nfl awards last year so it's like a ah. inception of new orleans sports stars but she did saw Lon- that on twitter and i had to watch it because of did that. lonzo ball wear a black like uh smoking robe yeah he wore a robe uh odell beckham jr wore a potato sack uh, there was one guy that had just a camo hat camo shirt camo pants on not like military camo, like he was going to go shoot a turkey after the event was over. <laughs> Didn't somebody wear a Carhartt suit last year? Something like that. It gets a little ridiculous, but yeah, so I watched that. I want to hear more about the SPs coming up uh, in just a bit. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Glad to have you along on this Thursday afternoon. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, thinking about buying a piece of property for recreational use, or maybe building a house in the country, or maybe you're a farmer with equipment needs, or you're enlarging the size of the farm, well, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land for over 100 years. Check them out online, mslandbank.com. Hey, Dad, welcome back after a, uh, a vacation day. Good to have you back. It's good to be back. I enjoy being back. Did you do anything exciting yesterday? Uh, beyond uh, the the MSU media clinic, uh, no, not much of anything yesterday. I got you. I, I took, that, I took that, a day off. There you go. Well, I, I mean, you know, you had the 4th of July off and you didn't do anything, so I didn't know if when you took a day off you did anything. It was I like fun to off, talk about. I, I take a day off. I hear you. you shut it down on yeah. non-work days. Pretty much. Good for you. Rippy, what's up? Not much. Did you go for another run last night? I did. You realize you picked the hottest stretch of days on the entire calendar to start running again? It's probably good for me, to be perfectly honest. It doesn't take much to sweat, which is the point. Sweat the toxins out? Uh, 
Yeah, I guess you could call it that. I mean, we all have toxins in our body, right? If you eat processed food, you have toxins. Why? Why you got to immediately take your main? Assume that I'm taking you into the gutter. What do you mean? Ah, uh, I saw that look on your face. You gave me the ah, uh, something like that, and you just assumed that I was talking about bad stuff. No, I don't know anything about... I'm not a scientist. I just know if you sweat, it's good for you. That's what they say, right? That's what they do say. Scientists and yeah, whatnot? Them and whatnot. <laughs> I ate wings for science today. It was fun. Did you? Yeah. Uh, sorry. Didn't... I saw. Uh, I didn't watch the ESPYs, though. I saw Bill Walton just wore like his polo as if he was announcing a game. I wonder yeah. if he knew he was at the ESPYs. <laughs> Probably not. But yeah, he just had the... Uh... ESPN black golf shirt on. Yeah, I, I'm gonna bet he thought that was a basketball game. Hey, who who owns that attire more? The I'm not wearing a coat and tie or dressing up. Is it uh, is it Bill Walton or um, Bobby Knight with the sweaters? Sweaters are at least kind of formal. Yeah, in a way, those aren't formal. Sort of. Like, no, like, they're not. How are they not? They're, Sweaters they're, are better than Hawaiian shirts and golf polos, yeah? This is also not a fair uh, question because, like, Bob Knight does that presumably fairly consciously. I'm going to bet that's the only way that Bill Walton's wife gets him to wear clothes. <laughs> He's Like, he'll rock a tie-dye t-shirt occasionally on an ESPN bras- basketball broadcast. Yeah, but I, I, I would imagine if it were up to him, he would not wear anything. Like you think he would just go through life naked? Yes. The pictures of him at Grateful Dead concerts are hilarious because he's always somewhere around the front row and he's more than a head taller than everybody else there. There's the big dumb smile on his face. It's a happy guy. Loving yeah, life, that's, man. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Do you think there's anybody that's more comfortable in their own skin than Bill Walton? Or is it completely the opposite of that? Um... <laughs> He's probably really comfortable. Yeah, I think, and that's a product of a lot of, let's say, out-of-skin experiences for (laughs) Mr. Walton. Currently or past? I I think it just happened once or twice, and it never came back. Really? Have you listened to him talk? Yes. Okay. I think he's just out there. (laughs) That's That's one way to put it. You think it's a chemical imbalance for him that got out of kilter and never came back? Are you being facetious? No, I'm being serious. I mean, is there is I, I there like is documented for... evidence that? <laughs> I mean, aside from the tie dye t shirts and the Grateful Dead concerts and the random stuff he says while calling I mean, ju- basketball games, uh, no, no, I guess not. I, I, I'm saying just because Bill Walton embraces the kind of live free whatever. Do you think him call asking his uh, play-by-play guy what his name is every five minutes is just part of his personality? You think that's a brain-type thing? Or the time he bit into you, a you candle he, that was lit? Yes. You think he really doesn't remember Dave Pash's name or Roxy Bernstein's name? Um, I'm going to bet maybe sometimes he does it for show, but I'm going to bet there's a decent amount of time where he genuinely has no idea who he's sitting next to. Um well, he was on the he was on the jump last year for some NBA thing, and they got offset. And he saw a picture he liked on the wall. He just took it with him. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel Nicholas tells a really great story about that. He just took it. Said, "This is mine." Is is it possible though that he's just that different, that out to lunch of a person? Because I think he's a really bright guy. 
Or do you think he's stupid? I've got a podcast or two with Bill Walton on it that I'll let you listen to sometime, and it's, uh... He lived the 60s, man. And you think he literally, he, like, lived the 60s? Yes. He, he's oh, ad he's admitted that. all that? Yeah. Okay. Did he play basketball high? I'm not going to... Probably know. slows the game down for you. <laughs> I, I, You, like, feel like we're incriminating you... Has he not admitted to it or no? He's admitted to some of it, but like I don't know if he, I I don't know off the top of my head if he's ever admitted to playing a game high. You think he's just a guy that smokes a bunch of dope, or you think he was like an acid tripper? Or do we know? Or am I like getting into trouble asking these questions? I, I don't know. He's talked about taking stuff before. Okay. Probably a mushrooms guy. I don't think he uh, discriminates. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can text the show on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. C Spire reminds you not to text and drive. C Spire text line, C Spire, customer inspired. You can also send a tweet to us on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed. What was the deal with Twitter earlier? It died for a little while, didn't it? It was. It was down. I wish it were permanent. Do you? I think it would be very good for society. What else would you send the way of the cuckoo bird along with Twitter? Mm. All of social media? Yeah, probably most all of social media. Um. If social media, if we just snapped our fingers and at midnight tonight, Twitter went away, Facebook went away, Snapchat, Instagram, if it all went away, be a lot of people searching for identities. Would we have a return to print media going back to newspapers? I think people got to get their news somehow, I guess, yeah. Yeah. What would people there would be people that would go into like serious states of depression, wouldn't there? Yeah, absolutely. But as a whole, we would be much happier. Yes, we would. Healthier, happier, People would get over the fact that they put their identity on the internet. There's so much into the internet after a while, and we would all be better off. We've got our first SEC team of the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Mississippi State Athletic Director John Cohen will join us a little bit later on the Farm Bureau phone line. SEC football coach hot seat ratings are out. Is anybody's seat legitimately hot this year? I think that's actually maybe the better question than putting the ratings out there. Uh, Borky tells us that an automated strike zone was used in an independent baseball league, and it worked. Have you seen the viral video of the uh, bagel guy, the little bagel guy? He wants to fight. He may have bitten off a little bit more bagel than he could chew this time. And some fantastic dumb criminal news for you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. You want ultra-fast LTE for free? Switch to a $25 unlimited plan on prepaid by C Spire for two free gigabytes of high-speed data each month and a free Samsung Galaxy J3. Learn more at cspire.com slash prepaid. C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. We were we we kind of landed in this spot yesterday, and I said let's uh, let's circle back to this after we've had a little bit of time to think about it. Hey, Dad, you you weren't here for this yesterday. Uh, Rippy has no interest in going to any fun sporting events. 
Isn't that isn't that is that what you said? No, I just didn't have a list ready to uh, reel off to you. I said if someone's got an extra ticket, I'll pretty much go. Yeah. Um, Preferably so beer there. This was uh, this would be a hybrid version of your sports bucket list. Um, but the twist is, it's a time travel sports bucket list. So if you could go back in history and watch an event in person, one of the great sporting events of all time, what would you go back and see? We want to hear from you on the C Spire text line, some of your ideas on this. You can also tweet them to us at SportsTalk M-I-S-S. Uh, Borky, is there anything top of mind for you? There's two that came up. The first one, I talk about it enough on this show, everybody probably knows. It's the Miracle on Ice. For some reason, I am enamored with that that entire event with the fact that there was such political unrest and people had to wait hours just to get gas at the gas station and uh, there was an actual like conflict between the United States and Russia and then you get these band of 19-year-old kids, college kids that you just force together on a team and they beat the greatest hockey team ever assembled in the Olympics in the United States which is still widely considered the greatest sports upset of all time I would have loved to have been there to see something like that. And what's funny is it was on tape delay. People didn't see it until later on that night. So the the game happened, but that that just doesn't happen anymore, which is kind of a cool twist. And the second one, uh, I barely remember this as a kid, but I remember my dad telling me to watch this game because of what happened. It's when the Saints returned to the Superdome. And I couldn't have cared less about the Saints at the time, but just how significant it was that the hurricane went through. People thought the city was just gone. The team comes back. Steve Gleason blocks that punt against the Falcons. And knowing what we know about what what has happened to him since, to mm-hmm. see him and his story play out the way it did on the night when the Saints returned to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina went through would have been an awesome experience to be there and see. So the miracle on ice, and then Steve Gleason blocking that punt against the Falcons when the Saints returned to the Superdome. Let's do pretty good ones. Hey, Dad, if you could go back and attend a sporting event that you did, well, I mean, I guess it could be one that you attended the first time around, but you'd like to do it all over again. What, um, what would it be? I want to watch. I want to be there when, when the teams that I've cheered for have won championships. So the Saints Super Bowl win, uh, one of the Giants, you know, game, uh, whatever, you know, clinching wins, one of the Lakers. Doing that, the Miracle on Ice would definitely be high up on the list. And then you talk about a game that I was at. I would love to go back to maybe like the '99 Egg Bowl. That was a lot of fun. No, and be able to sit there knowing, okay, it's 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 going to turn out okay. Let me interrupt like, for a second. Yeah. Of all the sporting events through the history of time, yeah, you'd like to go back and rewatch in person the '99 Egg Bowl. You said for one that I was actually at. No, I mean just just if that was like the most memorable thing of all time. I mean, like That's one of the most you know, memorable games I've ever been to personally. Okay, I mean, I guess I I guess I was thinking like if as a kid you went and you saw Kirk Gibson hit the home run Gross. at Dodger Stadium as he's like limping despise. around the bases. I wouldn't want to be there for that. <laughs> I was just using it as an example there, Mister Dodger hater. Jeez, I don't like the A's either. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean. I wouldn't mind being there like when Jordan hits that shot in game was that game six against Utah. Where he almost hit, kicked Craig Elo in the head? No, no, the the one in the finals against Utah. 
the Craig Elo one would be a great one too. Uh, you know, I wouldn't mind being there, like Hank Aaron hitting his 715th home run. That would be cool. Maybe see like some milestone type of things. Wilt Chamberlain's Did, hundred point game. I mean, you can't even watch that game on there. There's no film of that game. Is um, did Jordan push off on that? <laughs> of course he did. One hundred percent. Of course he did. It was a great crossover move. Yeah. Rippy, you got one. Um, Borky mentioned this yesterday, but I kind of, I've, more and more, I think about it. Probably the Malice at the Palace. Yeah, that would be, be cool pretty one. cool, particularly if you're in that section. But like not involved. Like I'd like to be very close to the guy that got punched with the jer- t-shirt jersey over his head, uh, <laughs> but not in it. And then I don't know. Maybe like for whatever reason, I've always been fascinated with what would have happened if Tom Watson had actually won that British Open, and I believe oh nine. Like being there the last day would be pretty cool, even though yeah. the ending kind of stunk. But I mean, he's <sighs> would. Would Jack Nicholas making the putt on Sunday at the 86 Masters, is that one that would be high enough on the list? Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Um, if you told me pick one college football game in the last 20 years, I think I'd like to be at the uh, the Rose Bowl where you had Texas and Southern Cal going after each other. Yeah. Um, Babe Ruth calling his shot, maybe? 2016 Game 7 of the World Series would have been pretty cool. 2016. Uh, Indians, Cubs, weird rain delay. Each team scores in extra innings. Cubs do it again in the 11th, I believe. Uh, John and Starkville, C Spire text line. 1975 World Series. Carlton Fisk hits home run to beat the Reds. Okay. Um, Dan in Charleston says, I wish I could have seen Maris hit number 61 or Hank Aaron hit number 715. And then his, I don't know if this is runner-up or just kind of a list of three for him, he says, any college game that Pete Maravich played in. Ken in Long Beach mentions Babe Ruth calling his shot. Um, Preston from Fulton says the Michael Jordan flu game. Yeah. Was that at the Garden against the Knicks? No, that that was against the Jazz. Playoffs or regular season? That was the finals. Why am I thinking that that was like the was it a was that not a double nickel game for him? I don't remember how many points he had, let me see, but I mean he played he played sick. But that was in the finals against the uh, the Jazz. Rumble in the Jungle. Ooh, that's a good one. Ali Foreman, nineteen seventy four. Josh and Clinton says he'd love to watch the uh, Dream Team play at the ninety two Olympics. Yeah. Jordan had thirty eight points, seven rebounds, five assists, three steals, and a block in that game. Nineteen sixty six World Cup final, England versus Germany. That's from Steve O. Okay. Um here we go. Here's a NASCAR fan. The nineteen ninety eight Daytona five hundred when Dale Earnhardt finally won. That'd be a good one if you're a NASCAR fan, yeah. Any event where I could go back and bet on it. <laughs> 
That guy's now got we're his talking. head in the right place. <laughs> you've uh, you've actually got it put together well. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Whatever that egg bowl was where people attacked each other with chairs, you get a nice little 100-year prelude to what Twitter's like. <laughs> I like protect the you, Rippy. 1926 Egg Bowl or something? I have no something like idea. that, yeah. Hey, Dad, surely you know what year it is. <sighs> Not off the top of my head, nah. You're in the right. You're in the right area. Billy in Collinsville said he'd like to go back and uh, see Eli's first Super Bowl. Here's one, and it's actually one that I was thinking about a second ago. This is kind of a local flavor. This is from Hal in Starkville. He says LSU, Ole Miss, but stop there. It's not what you think. LSU, Ole Miss basketball. Chris Jackson, when he was still Chris Jackson, against Gerald Glass. You guys heard about that game before? Didn't they both get 50 in that game? They both went for over 50. Uh, Chris Jackson, now Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Scored more points than Gerald Glass, but Ole Miss won that game in overtime, or maybe double overtime. The story that I tell about that game, we moved to Oxford in November of 1988, and I think that that game was in the winter of 1989. So we had only lived in Oxford a few months at the time. That was supposed to be the first Ole Miss basketball game that I would have ever gone to. But I came down with a stomach bug and couldn't go. I think my dad still went to the game. Um, Jordan would have I mean, gone. Hey, say what? Jordan would have gone. He probably would have, but he wasn't nine years old trying to talk his mom into doing it while he had been hanging over the side of the toilet the entire day. I wasn't going to win that uh, that debate. One of the all-time great basketball games, at least one that's been played in this state. Sports Talk Mississippi, Renaissance Bank Studio. Hey, Dad, I know you hate it, but I did go back and watch the um, game one of the 1988 World Series. Mm-hmm. Ben Scully at his best. Oh, and the call she is, great. is gone! Yeah, the call is great. It's the moment. In a year yeah. full of the improbable, the impossible has happened. On that note, the uh, Jose Bautista or Joe Carter thing would have been pretty sweet. Joe Carter would be really, really good, yeah. The walk-off home run for Joe Carter? Yeah. Yeah. What was that, 1991? Does that sound right? That sounds right. 92. Blue, 92, Blue Jays, Phillies. Didn't he hit that off of uh, Wild Thing, Mitch Williams? Yeah. Yes. Everybody in my house was asleep, but for some reason I stayed up and watched the end of that ball game. It was unbelievable. No, excuse me, 93 World Series. 93, that's right. Because the following year, the Braves were in first place, 94, ended up with the strikes shortened season. Duel in the Sun, 1977 at Turnberry, Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson. Pretty good one there. Uh, Brad in Burnsville says the fight, smoking Joe Frazier versus Muhammad Ali at Madison Square Garden. March 8th, 1971. Brad says that was on his birthday. Sorry, we get dings all over the place. Silence your phones, boys. Yeah, I know. Um, somebody here, Mets fan, Game 6 of the 1986 World Series, Mets-Red Sox. That'd be a fine choice. 
Uh, Dan in Charleston would like to go back and watch Southern Miss beat number four ranked Ole Miss, Archie Manning led in 1970. David in Indianola says, I'd like to go back when my parents played Little League so I can holler at them when they're not paying attention. (laughs) What about the first football game, organized football game ever? Isn't that like Rutgers Rutgers and Princeton? 1869, is that right? Imagine what it looked like then versus what it does now and the size of the people on the field. The logistics of that would stink. No electricity, indoor plumbing. (laughs) Like, if I'm there just for the game and leaving, that's fine. <laughs> you don't have to go home and rustle up some grub later that night, though. It's a quick time machine, man, in and out. Okay. Uh, if you're a Braves fan, this has got to be on the list. Sid Bream scoring from second on a base hit to beat the Pirates. That's got to be on the list if you're a Braves it's fan. on the list, yeah, for sure. Tim McGee says that Ole Miss LSU basketball game was the best basketball game ever in Mississippi. I went back and looked at some of the numbers from that. Gerald Glass scored 53 for Ole Miss. Chris Jackson had 55 for LSU. Ole Miss won 113 to 112 in overtime. 8,580 in the old version of Tad Smith Coliseum. How about the lead on the story from the Clarion Ledger? 23-year-old Tad Smith Coliseum had never seen anything like it. That would have been in 1989, and in 1989, at just 23 years old, Tad Smith Coliseum was dated and needed to be blown up. <laughs> Still standing somehow. It took uh, took a few more years as uh, as well. Mike Nobler, or Nobler, from the uh, Clarion Ledger and Jackson Daily News wrote that story. Glass equaled the fourth-highest point total in Ole Miss history. Jackson of Gulfport broke his own NCAA freshman scoring record. Gerald Glass hit a game-winning free throw with nine seconds remaining. Chris Jackson missed three-pointers at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime that would uh, have won it for LSU. Ed Murphy was the coach at Ole Miss at the time. His quote about the game was, Looking back on it, I wish I had had a ticket and was looking at it from the stands. If you don't appreciate Glass and Jackson from a basketball standpoint, you are legally dead. Dale Brown was the uh, the coach at LSU at the time. He said, that's the best I've ever seen two guys play. Gerald Glass, I've never been involved in nothing like that. His previous eye was 38 points. He said, it was an amazing game. I'd like to see the film. Chris Jackson? Refused to comment after the game. Mm. It's kind of on brand for him, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, is that game on tape somewhere? Like, if I Googled not. it, could I find it? I think you can at least find highlights of it on YouTube. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We're talking about, and yes, it is, here we are. The 11th of July, Media Days is next week. There's not a lot going on in the sports world. And this topic kind of came up yesterday, so we put a spin on it and said if you could do sports bucket list but in a time machine where you could go back and watch something in person, what would you do? I got a text from a buddy. He says, number one, Archie Manning, Scott Hunter, the 1969 game between Ole Miss and Alabama, 
that Alabama won 33-32. Um, he also says final game of the 1996 World Series. That was when Charlie Hayes made the catch to win it all for the Yankees. Pretty good. Well, pretty good ones on the list. Has the 05 Rose Bowl been brought up yet, Texas Southern Cal? Yeah, Richard said that. Okay. Only, only by me. Well, I wasn't listening to you. I'm just kidding. I'm just shocked. Uh, no, just a, a lot being thrown out here. I'm trying to make sure that uh, I get all of mine in here. All right, Gibbo Gibson. He hit us with this on both the C Spire text line and on Twitter. So here's what he said. Gibbo says... He's going to a WWE event. 1998, WWE King of the Ring, when Undertaker threw mankind off the top of the hell in the cell and then chokeslammed him through the top of the cell. That's a good choice. Hey, Dad, my guess is you remember it like it was yesterday. I, I I can see it in my mind right now. Huh. That would not be my wrestling choice, but that's a good one. What would your wrestling choice be? I would want to go be at Madison Square Garden when Hulk Hogan beat the Iron Sheik, the birth of Hulkamania. Hmm. Okay. This Here's a vote for the more, game, it's, it's Cal versus Stanford in 82. At that point, so. Was that when wrestling changed? Like from a pop culture standpoint? It became more, yeah. Yeah, it became more relevant nationally at that point. Travis listening in Phoenix, Arizona. Thanks, Travis. On the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. He says, 1936 Berlin Olympics to see Jesse Owens. Boy, you want to talk about not only a great athletic feat, but one of the... One of the more significant sports meets culture events of the 20th century? Yeah. That's it. He also says Miracle on Ice in Game 5 of the 1976 NBA Finals. I don't off the top of my head remember the 76 NBA Finals. Is that Lakers-Celtics? 76. That's the right time frame, isn't it? No, that, that's I think that's Celtics Suns. Nineteen seventy six NBA Finals. Yep, Celtics Suns. Celtics Suns. Yeah. There you go. The the final game there game I think it's the, 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 well there's a classic game in there and I, I think it's game. Six. It, it's got a, I think it's that game five. Game five. They had the crazy three ending. overtimes. Boston wins one twenty eight one twenty six. Whew. That's good stuff. We may continue to work some of these in throughout the course of the afternoon. Borky says he wants to test our morality. Yeah, so on 285 in Atlanta, a... That's a fairly busy road. It's a fairly busy road. That's the uh, the beltway around Atlanta. A armored truck accidentally had a door open, and over $170,000 flew out of the truck and littered the highway. And there's video, if you want to watch it, of people pulling over and grabbing as much money as they can and going about their day. If you saw that happen, would you have gotten out of the car and taken some money? Or there are some people that took money that feel guilty and are bringing it back, even though there's no way to track who the people are. So Mm -hmm. would you have pulled over and taken money? 
Would you have kept driving or would you have collected money and handed it back to the people who let it fly out their window? Let's go with a few more details and then we'll circle back to this. An armored truck's door sprang open on I-285 on the north side of Atlanta, spilling cash across the highway. While the truck was making it rain, drivers pulled over to join in a literal cash grab. The armored truck company estimates the unintended gift at $175,000. Some driving past got out their phones and shot video of cars and trucks pulling over with people jumping out to try and scoop up the bills that were blowing in the wind. Dunwoody police said in a statement the armored car crew said the side door came open while they were driving and money spilled out. Officers and the truck crew gathered a few hundred dollars that was still there when officers arrived, but plenty was taken. So the question on the table is, one, would you have stopped? Two, would you have gathered money, pocketed it, and tried to roll on? Three, would you have just kept going and been like, whew, tough break for them? Or would you have stopped, tried to collect some of the money, and returned it to the armored truck? Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. $4,000 has been returned to police after the cash spill on I-285. Story from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution earlier today. Maybe it's guilt or fear of prosecution, but cash taken from an armored truck spill on I-285 is slowly trickling in to the Dunwoody Police Department. As of Thursday morning, six people had returned about $4,400 in loose bills that flew off the truck when the side door came open. That's a drop in the bucket compared to the estimated 175000 missing from the Garda World truck. Ones, fives, fifties, it was in there, according to a police spokesman. Um, Dunwoody police have urged people to return the money as they consider it stolen. Anyone who does not make an effort to return lost or mislaid property to its owner could be charged with theft. The police spokesman said the law is the law. You need to turn in the property. It doesn't belong to you. Reality needs to kick in, and you need to realize this money belongs to someone. So, by this logic, if you find $20 on the ground, it's theft. That's true. They went on to say it doesn't matter if it's finders keepers. Once you know that it belonged to someone, you can't really keep it. But, to your point, any money that you know belonged to someone that you find... Has there ever been lost money that belonged to no one? I don't understand this. No, I'm with you. It really the, the video of this is pretty remarkable. I mean, you got people like whipping over on the side of the road, jumping out. I just think Interstate 285 is not the place where you necessarily want to run the risk of bailing out and scooping up cash. Yeah, but I when you it need depends it. on how strapped for cash you are. Depending on how much you get in your pocket, too, if you get clipped. Got some cash in your pocket to get your leg fixed or whatever. <laughs> I suppose. So what would you do, Borky? Ooh. I probably would have just kept driving, honestly. I would like to say I would have taken it because even though this is kind of rear end backwards, I've got a kid on the way and I need as much money as possible, but also what kind of dad am I going to be if I'm taking money off the street? 
Um, I, I probably would have just ended up continuing driving. However, if you are dumb enough to let an open sack of cash fly out of your door while driving on the interstate, maybe it shouldn't count as theft. Maybe that's just Darwinism at play. But, I mean, this was an armored car company. I mean, that's the point. Your job is to protect money, and you let it fly out of your truck on the interstate. All right, so the way, at least as I understand it, these armored truck companies, I mean, they stop by businesses, take deposits, and then transfer them to the bank so that a place like Kroger doesn't have some manager running to the bank with a you know $100,000 at the end of the day to try and deposit it. They let the armored car company do it. If you have an armored vehicle company, you've got insurance to cover this kind of loss, right? Absolutely. So nobody's actually going to be out the money. I bet the drivers are going to be in trouble, though. They might lose their jobs. That's possible. But but whether or not you return the money is not going to affect that one way or the other. Probably not. Hey, Dad, what would you do? I like what Rhino sent to us on Twitter. He said, just roll your windows down and whatever flies in, flies in. I would be concerned if I'm one of the people that ripped off, you know, ripped over into the the lane on the side of the road, jumped out and started scooping up cash. All these videos that people took, yeah, like as they're slowly driving by, you're, you're identifiable see, and your license plate is identifiable. You're going to see Richard Cross in mad dash for cash. That's going to happen. Well, if you did that, just yeah. turn in half. They can't tell you how much money you took. There is, um, there are some people, Tyler and Starkville says, I'm calling it an inside job. And the drivers of the armored vehicle took the bulk of the money. Hmm. What? Saying that the drivers of the, re- of the armored car actually set this up. They like intentionally left the door where it would fly open, claimed that over 175,000 flew out. And pocketed some on their own. Scott and Clinton says, if I'm going to be a thief, there's a big if there, I'm going to be a lazy one. $20 bills and up only. <laughs> Not scooping up a bunch of ones on the side of 285 in Atlanta. If you're scooping up cash on the side of a highway, how much time do you really have to decipher what kind of bill it is? I mean, when you look down and you start to pick it up, I mean, unless it's just a jumble, you can kind of see... You don't think this is jumbled? Well, maybe. Bob asked if you've ever noticed the shooting holes for guards in each door of armored cars. No, I've, I've not noticed those, Bob. Jeez. you got to watch the movie The Town. Okay. It's about a group of guys that rob Auburn cars, and then they try to rob the Boston Red Sox. It's a great movie. Um, Rippy, would you scoop up the money, or would you keep driving, or would you return it to... It's rifle owner. Um, I don't know if I would have been able to process what was going on until I'd sped by. He goes with the uh, cop out route on the answer. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey on this Thursday. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online. You can find them at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, 
where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, then Mississippi Land Bank can help. Whether it's equipment needs, production loans, buying property, refinancing existing loans, well, that's all in the wheelhouse of Mississippi Land Bank. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. It's what they know, it's what they do, and it's perhaps a way that they can help you with your land financing needs. Again, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Uh, if you want to text the show, you can on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. At C Spire Repair Center, they love making happier experiences for you. That's why they've got one-hour phone repair, fixing any phone from any carrier with certified parts and technicians. Visit cspire.com slash repair to find a repair center near you, C Spire customer inspired we are hoping to visit with john cohen this afternoon he's the athletics director at uh, mississippi state and uh trying to get that squared away and uh we'll look forward to visiting with him when we're able to the news came out uh i guess hey dad it was yesterday or maybe the day before uh, that john cohen is now part of the baseball selection committee so the division one baseball committee the t- group that selects the teams for the uh, NCAA baseball tournament. It's a pretty big honor, I think, and seems like a, a spot that really fits for a guy that has been a baseball coach at multiple schools at the SEC level and also has been on the administrative side of things. Yeah, I mean, what a perfect fit, right? A guy has been around baseball in every possible way, a player, a assistant coach, a coach, and now an athletic director. My guess is he'll have a very uh, – a very broad spectrum uh, to, to, of which to view the topics that, that affect the sport of college baseball. I wonder if being named to the committee puts you on any kind of a specific path to being the chair of the committee. I would Does that imagine make sense? You, yeah, I mean, you, I can't imagine you can become the chair of the committee without having been on the committee at some point. So, yeah, I would, I would think that that's the next logical step. Yeah. Yeah, Ray Tanner served in that role um, in, I guess, for the last two seasons. Um, so I don't know. We can uh, talk to John Cohen about that as well. Still got texts coming in on the time travel sports bucket list. Okay. This one says, I'd like to go back to the Great Pringles Challenge of 2019. I, um... I meant to report this on Monday, but I uh, ate Pringles over the weekend. How was it? Um, it felt like a relapse. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what am I doing? So are you now over it? Could you, like, if you sat down with a ham sandwich, it could you as, eat Pringles as a side? Yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought. The first couple bites, like, the sound was rough, but after that, it was okay. It was a different flavor. Sports decade bucket list. All Japan Pro Wrestling, June 3rd, 1994. Mitsuharu Misawa versus Toshiaka Kawada in a clash between two of the hot upstarts. Who could forget? It was a great match. (laughs) That can't be a real thing, right? I mean, the names and the date might be real, but... Mm. That sounded very much like those. Uh, I watched a rerun of one of the Nathan's hot dog eating contests the other night when nothing was on, and they were comparing Kobayashi and uh, Joey Chestnut to like guys like Abe Lincoln and such, as far as like 
Right. Well, they do that. Those guys <laughs> take, are take like me a little farther down that road. I, I, it sounded like whoever was producing thing at the time was uh, was basically telling them to run with it, but they were just talking about the greatest Americans, and it was like Joey Chestnut, Ben Franklin, Abe Lincoln. Um, guess who was the sideline reporter? Jimmy Dykes. Was he really? Yeah, it was. Uh, you could tell it was a long Wait, time it's... ago. Oh, okay. This is an old one. Uh, this is like oh seven. This was reg. It was in standard definition. Oh, we got to get Jimmy on to talk about that. It was uh, it was it was really entertaining. That is um, that's fantastic. I didn't realize that Jimmy had done that. I didn't either. I uh, we it was just on, and then like after a while, I was like, "Who's this guy interviewing?" Because he looked a little bit different back then. I was like, oh, "Jimmy Dykes." I absolutely. Not only do we need to get him on the radio to talk about that. The next time that I work with him on a basketball game, I'm bringing that up. Maybe he could narrate the next food-related bet on this show. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like I did a pretty good job narrating that. I'm not sure I'm giving that up. That's fine. It was you the sound b- that made the magic, though. It was. What, the dry heaving? No, no, the crunch in the microphones that you heard. It's a skill. Yeah. Um. All right, hey, Dad. So we didn't get a chance to talk with you yesterday about this. Mm-hmm. You spent some time in a film session with Joe Moorhead, and he broke down the RPO. Is that is that correct? We we talked about two different plays for an hour and about ten fifteen minutes. Okay, it was that was it was very very impressive to see how much detail he was able to give us about two plays. And, well, what did you learn? I learned that I don't know as much about football as I thought I did, first and foremost. Um, was that the point of this? Was this an education thing, or was this um, a, a subliminal point of, hey, all you numbskulls that write about the game all the time, you really don't know what the heck you're talking about? I, I don't think that was it, but I think it was it was meant to be educational. Um, I think that you know he wanted to give us just just the basic, most you know obvious parts of his offense and. You know, we, we went over you know some of the concepts, the way they they design play calls. Uh, you know, to give he's he's big on mnemonic devices as far as play calls work. So you, when you see a certain letter, you know that's what you're, you're supposed to be doing. You know, if you read the article I have up on SuperTalk.fm, it says, "Oh, gazelle and giraffe, giraffes and gazelles. The L's and gazelle mean the play's going left. The R and the giraffe means we're going right. Pretty simple. Okay, and." You know, he showed us how he it goes from you know just a simple inside zone to okay now we're going to add a pass option to it, and then we went into a little bit of an actual pass play, and he had some film to show us you know some plays that had actually been well executed. So it it was very very cool, uh, and you know a little bit of not the right sport obviously, but the term you know a little inside baseball that you don't normally get. You know, you think about journalists and everything are always like, oh, I wish I had more access, I wish I had more access. This was about as much access as I think we could have possibly had. Did Kylan Hill get the football in either of the plays? He did, and he scored touchdowns in, in, in three of them. Did, did you raise your hand at that point and, and be hand-raised guy and go, um, po- point of order here, Coach. What a parliamentary procedure. Did, did, did you um, did you toy with using that play more often? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go that, that in that route. No, I did not. I thought about it though. Yeah. Um, okay, so I would say a cool exercise, but 
given the time constraints that exist for football coaches and the fact that this is vacation time of the year, I'm saying that that this is not just a public service that Joe Moorhead did for the people that he covers. And, And I'm not saying there's any ulterior motive at all, but what do you think the motivation for Joe Moorhead to spend a couple of hours um, in the middle of July with all the media was to to do this event and, and kind of explain some of what they're doing? That's a good question and maybe one we can ask Joe when we see him next week uh, at SEC Media Days. But it, it, it's only, he had brought it up a few months ago that he said, I, I, I thought about doing this. And, and, and evidently it's not unique that there are other programs that do it as well. Um, so I, th- I think it was j- it was just a, a legitimate attempt. Like you said, this is not the time of year where he's just, you know, burdened down with a lot of stuff. He, he mentioned that in the uh, in the in the the clinic, if you want, or whatever you want to call it, the lecture, or whatever you want to call it. That you know, somebody asked him about audibles, and he said, "I do the audibles because I put in a hundred hours a week, and the other guys are only putting in around twenty. The quarterbacks only putting in around twenty, so the audibles are going to go through me." And you know, like you said, during the season, you'd have no time to do something like this. So I just I read he- that I read that in your story, and mm-hmm. that's something that I want to learn more about. Um, hopefully, we'll have a chance to visit with Joe next week at uh, at SEC Media Days, and I want to learn more about what he means by the audibles go through me, because the 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 common thought is that your quarterback at the line of scrimmage has got the best view of exactly what's happening in front of him. And quarterbacks generally have the ability to get you out of a bad play. So I'm fascinated by that particular line. I completely get what he's saying, but that's a fascinating line of thinking or or, um, coaching method. Maybe that's the right way to say it. Yeah, and and, and you're right. And normally you think about an audible, you think, I always think about Joe Montana coming up there, or you you could hear. I can hear Drew Brees saying "kill, kill" in my head right this second. But you know those are pros. So for for Moorhead, you know, being down on the si- on the sideline, at least he's got you know a, a pretty good view of what he's seeing. And my my guess is, you know, it's probably pretty pretty simple what we're talking about. So it's more talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. For the first time in the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days, we've got an SEC squad on the countdown. Let's continue it right now. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, Team number 51 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days from Music City, the Vanderbilt Commodores. is gone. What a season he had a year ago. Threw for 3,130 yards, 24 touchdowns, completed 63% of his passes, and so they will be breaking in a new quarterback this year in Nashville. Uh, That's the bad news. The good news is Keyshawn Vaughn is back. 1,244 yards on the ground at 12 touchdowns a season ago. 
Top three receivers from last year are back. Elijah Lipscomb had nine touchdowns. Jared Pinckney had seven. C.J. Bowler had two on 34 catches. And so they've got some pieces coming back on the offensive side. Pinckney, the tight end, is going to be at SEC Media Day. Same thing for uh, Kalijah Lipscomb. The schedule does not do Vanderbilt many favors. They open against Georgia on August 31st. They go to Purdue in Week 2. Then they have an open date before hosting LSU in Week 3. That is not an easy three-game start to the season in the first four weeks of the year. No, it's brutal. I mean, the team can be better than they were a year ago and still start 0-3. It's awful. Vanderbilt went 6-6 and in the regular season last year. They lost to Baylor in the Texas Bowl, 45-38. Wins for the Commodores last season, Middle Tennessee and Nevada to start 2-0. and Dropped two in a row to Notre Dame and South Carolina. Should have won at Notre Dame. I mean, revisionist history and whatnot, but... Vanderbilt absolutely could have and probably should have won against the Fighting Irish a year ago. Had the ball down five and a dropped pass ended the game for them, yeah. and they were driving too. They f- what they fumbled on the two twice, right? Something like that. Yes. Yeah. And missed uh, a field goal for good measure, if I'm remembering correctly. I think you're right. It was just a tough day as far as scoring goes for Vanderbilt. Lost that one 22-17. So they were 2-2 two and two after four games, beat Tennessee State to get to 3-2, three and two, lost three in a row to fall to 3-5, and five, and then won three of their last four. Beat Arkansas 45-31, lost by five to Missouri, beat Ole Miss 36-29, beat Tennessee 38-13. Just skull-dragged Tennessee at, uh, at home at the end of the year and then played a high-scoring game especially in the second half of the season. That offense was really clicking for Vanderbilt, and a big part of the reason why it was Kyle Shermer. He just was a really good quarterback, and they had the running game going as well. What do you expect from Vanderbilt this year? Who wins the quarterback job? Isn't the expectation that Riley Neal is going to win at the Ball State graduate transfer that's what it sounds like and the other one uh the dual threat kid deuce wallace didn't did not play in the spring game and neil apparently looked good i didn't watch it uh for full disclosure but neil started what 30 something games at ball state but his last two years there he didn't play very much and wasn't very productive it's an interesting graduate transfer when you look at how much he played and he played pretty well as a freshman and a sophomore at ball state or in his first two years there, and then his last, he wasn't very productive. Last year was the best year offensively for uh, for Derek Mason. He's going into his sixth year as the head coach. Here are the results of the last five. Three and nine in year number one, and that was a disaster. They were a poorly coached team that looked unprepared. 2015 wasn't a whole lot better. They were four and eight, but they at least looked organized. And then the last three seasons, six and seven, bowl game in 2016, Five and seven in 2017, and 2018 they go six and seven again with a bowl game appearance. Vanderbilt has beaten Tennessee in three consecutive years. They've beaten them 45 to 34 in Nashville, 42 24 in Knoxville, and 38 13 in Nashville. That won't play in Knoxville. No. 
No, but at the same time, you know, those wins are great and all, but what else has Vanderbilt been able to do? They've beaten Tennessee, but you know, who else have they beaten? They've gotten to a bowl game in two of the last three years. Yeah. Vanderbilt. Yeah. That's such a hard job. I don't think we give it credit for how difficult of a job it is, not only because of the academic stuff, but they haven't touched their stadium since 1981 with any kind of decent renovation. They built a scoreboard a few years ago. I mean, there is nothing other than living in Nashville, but there's great towns all across the SEC. There's nothing about Vanderbilt that makes you want to play football there. So it's hard to get a kid that can actually qualify for school. Then you have to convince them to go to Vanderbilt over the other academic institutions when Northwestern is building a beautiful facility. There's nothing appealing about going to Vanderbilt to play football exclusively. It's an almost impossible job. I don't know about nothing appealing. I mean, they put some quarterbacks in the NFL. They put some other players in the NFL. You are playing in the SEC. Some quarterbacks are Jay Cutler. Well, wasn't Shermer drafted as well? What is Kyler, Kyle Shermer to the NFL right now? Is that making you want to line up and he go be drafted. the next Kyle, Kyle Shermer? He was an undrafted free agent by the Chiefs, signed by the Chiefs. Okay. He was a great college player. I'm mostly being devil's advocate. You could maybe be on The Bachelor. Well, maybe that. <laughs> Jordan Rodgers has parlayed post-Vanderbilt life and do... Uh, Pretty good deal. Yeah. Hey, Dad, who are your top three alums from Vandy? I'm going to go Al Gore. Okay. Uh, Grantland Rice. There you go. If you had not put Grantland Rice on the list, I was going to throw you out the window. You're still missing And then on the, on the opposite side of the sports journalism world, there we Skip go. Bayless. <laughs> Skip Bayless. Father of the hot take. I would Father. trade salaries with him. I would, too, yeah. Uh, yeah. Willie Geist, Vanderbilt guy. Yeah. Bunch of music people. Gold medalist Sean Johnson. Oh, really? Yeah. Probably should have known that. Yeah, a ton of music people. Ross Perot Jr. went to Vanderbilt. Who? Ross Perot Jr. Yeah. I saw Ross Perot. I was like, Ross Perot. And then I saw the junior, and I was like, oh. Um, Chris Stapleton? Yeah. Went to school at Vandy? Did a, he did a semester there. Okay. June Carter Cash. There's some royalty for you. Yeah. And then a whole boatload of baseball players you, you've probably heard from uh, that are famous and wealthy. Oh, oh hold too. on a second. James Patterson. You may not like the guy's writing style. Well, I'm but... not anything against him. Yeah, but I'm saying, I mean, he just kind of... He could be fourth. Spills him out. Yeah. He made $86 million between June of 17 and June of 18. That's good work if you can get it. That is not bad work. And his books fly off the shelves. Yeah. My wife's a big fan. Yeah. Some of them are good. Some of them, not so much. You a big reader, hey, Dad? Not anymore. I used to be. What was your genre? I used to love biographies, um, historical books, um, and then I, w- I would read a lot of Stephen King. I read a lot of Sherlock Holmes back in the day. I've read his, everything Sherlock Holmes has ever ever been. You know, that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote about Sherlock Holmes. Hmm. What made you quit reading? Who has time anymore? You know, I just I just don't. 
I read to my kids. That's about it. What do you mean who that? When you take a day off, you don't do anything. You could read then. Yeah, I sleep. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. I will admit that I have switched gears to uh, Audible. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I kind of don't have time to sit down with a book. But I love... Can that be classified as reading? I think so. No. It it, it counts. Okay. Borky, why do you say no? Because you're not reading. Somebody's reading to you. It's still good. It's good for you. Like, it's, it's awesome that you get to do that, but you're not it's reading. It's like soaking up knowledge. Yeah. I just spend a lot of time in the car or on a lawnmower or, you know, working wherever I'll pop in either the earbuds or listen to it driving down the road Mm. I like the whole uh, spy espionage CIA thriller for the mindless stuff Sports Talk Mississippi Renaissance Bank Studio Vanderbilt team number 51 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm we're glad to have you along Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. It was making its way around the interwebs yesterday. Uh, from New York, the Angry Little Bagel Man. Oh, did I you saw see it. what I was? You, you did. Mm-hmm. If you didn't, so here's the story. Basically, um, five foot tall bagel guy who clearly has a chip on his shoulder about his height or lack thereof, just completely loses his mind in the bagel shop and starts dog-cussing the people that are working there and saying that uh, somebody had given a kind of a smirk at him about his height. I mean, this is a guy who's going around looking for a fight because he's five feet tall. And... He starts in on the people there, and there's a lady in the crowd that goes, Hey, nobody said that to you while you were in here today. He goes, Ah, people say it all the time about me. I can see them kind of putting their hand over their face, and they smirk, and they cut their eyes away. And then he starts talking about how he can't get a date. And how he's made fun of on dating apps. And then he, like, starts bumping into this guy and starts cussing him. And then he turns... And he drops the, you want to take this outside? Do you want to take this outside? Bleepity, 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 do you want to take this outside? And then he turns and cusses another guy. And the other guy says, don't talk to me that way. And he says, I'll talk to you any way I want to. If you got a problem with it, why don't you do something about it? And then the short guy just gets clocked, like tackled to the ground and his head shoved into the tile. And it made me think of this question. I sent this to Borky this morning. If we're being honest, does let's take it outside guy ever really want to take it outside? Or does let's take it outside guy think that he can drop the let's take it outside and there's always somebody there to hold him back? And it's never really going to get to that point. The loudest guys are the worst fighters. 
Always. Well, that yeah, most people that. that actually want to fight fight inside. They don't calmly walk outside and then begin to tussle. They just kind of spring into action. I was kind of thinking that myself was. If you're, let's take it outside, you don't really want to fight. Because people that are about to get into a fight, or actually you're fighting, you don't really stop to think of the venue. You don't say, hey, you know what, meet me in an hour and 45 minutes at the local boxing ring and we'll go at it. Meet me in Temecula. <laughs> yeah. Let's go have our own thriller in Manila. No, no, when, when, when the fight starts, it's just wherever you are. So, did the guy get what he deserved? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Yes. I mean, although probably deserved more because the guy just kind of tackled him and like pinned him there to show him who was the boss. Well, I think he got what he wanted. He has a YouTube page where he does this all across New York City. Tell me more. He did it at a 7-Eleven. He called the cops at two dudes at a 7-Eleven. Um, who he claimed he walked up at 5 o'clock in the morning with a donut and a coffee to which the cashier said, how tall are you? And he responded with, "What country are you from?" And then co- proceeded to call, <laughs> proceeded to call the cops and wanted to file a report. And the cops were basically like, "Man, you can't do anything about that." Guy asked you a question. He got very upset with that. Then started berating the cops. So anytime somebody mentions this guy's height, he loses it. Supposedly, I've watched a couple of them. That Sometimes is very American, people... though. Profiting off of your own psychotic anger. With the YouTube uh, channel. Yeah, and then there's another one. In, but it never shows, like, he's never filming when someone allegedly asks him about his height. Because there's another one where he was in a bar, and there's this big, like, larger man that's a Jets fan. And then it just cuts, like, the video starts, and he's yelling at him about him smirking about his height. So I don't know if any of this stuff ever actually happens. Hmm. We're going to end up with someone taking video. Like he's just going to walk in and somebody's, oh, it's that guy, and they're going to start filming from the beginning, and we're going to see that it's just he just starts going at it. Mike in Grand Bay says in high school it was meet you after school, and girl fights were the best. Oh, oh. cat fight! You remember girl fights from high school? We the had our locks. Clumps of hair end up on the ground. We had all of the locks on our lockers taken away because one girl walked up behind another girl while she was eating at lunch and hit her in the back of the head with the lock from her locker, and they started going at it. Nice. That's a good reason to go at it. You get clocked in the back of the head with a padlock. Oh, that was something. How long did the fight last? It was a while, too. I mean, it took... Pro- I mean, you think about how long 30 seconds is. It was a good 30 seconds of... Swinging and missing because 90% of the fights that happen, people don't know how to fight, which is fine, but they miss. And so they're just kind of swinging and, and missing each other's head. But the lock is really what did damage. There's blood everywhere. It was awesome. Ooh. Ooh. Rippy, you ever gotten in a fight? Never been in a fight. Have we talked about this before? Very possible. Not really sure. I think you and I have. Me and you have gotten in a fight. No, Richard and I have talked about our, our fights before. Oh. Ceasefire text line. The funny ones are the guys who rip their shirts off. <laughs> Seriously, the theatric ones are the, the worst fighters. It's the quiet guy you've got to be scared of. If there's about to be a fight and one of them is like quiet and 
is not saying anything, is just watching the crazy person act crazy. Quiet guy's winning 10 times out of 10. Always. The quiet guy is the real fighter. The one that doesn't have to hype himself up to get ready for it. Fear the quiet guy. Always. Uh, former teacher, text line, I've seen too many fights in the student section at football games. Somebody says lunchroom fights are the best. Food and fists flying. I don't, I don't like vividly remember a lunchroom fight from when I was in high school. I mean, I remember there being, like, vaguely remember that happening a time or two. Brad in Burnsville says, then you have rules to the fight. Yeah, I had a friend like that that was when uh, drinking, he would always expect me to help out. There's no rules in a fight. The only rule about fighting is there is no rules. Kelso in Ocean Springs makes a good point. He says the vast majority of people have no idea how to fight. There's got to be some rules in a fight, though. You can't just go for the... You, you, you know. Yes, you can. Sure you can. If it's you're being fight. attacked by a person, like on the street, then yeah, do whatever means necessary. But if if you're fighting somebody and you go for that, that's a, that's a lowbrow move. I disagree. Like, it's I might have agreed with you when I was 16, Borky. But if 38-year-old Richard was in 16-year-old Richard's body, and I'm not about to even for a second pretend like I was a frequent fighter or a good fighter. Yeah, had a handful in high school. Oh, the course style? Jiu-jitsu, kung fu? <laughs> just, you know, I mean, it's probably like everybody else, just arms flailing. Nunchucks? The best punch I ever threw is one of my best friends. I think I've told this story before. We kind of got egged into it in the locker room. How's that work? Well, let's just... It, it, it was the only time where I, like, landed a punch where it was like, man, that felt good. And I felt bad about it after the fact. So you we're like you felt bad. We're sitting in English class the next morning. This happens in the locker room, so nobody really gets in trouble. I think I had to go talk to my coach, and he's like, um, you're a quarterback. He's an offensive lineman. Do you really think it's a good idea for you to be fighting? No, sir, I don't. It wasn't really our fault. But nevertheless, we're sitting in English class. Dr. Murchison's the teacher. One of the best teachers I ever had at any level in my life. She's calling roll the next morning. Here, here, here. And uh, when she calls my friend's name that I punched, she looks up, she goes, my God, what happened to your eye? <laughs> there, were, there were a few other football teammates that happened to be in that class as well. That got um, a fairly raucous 8 a.m., Thursday morning. Hal from Boyle says, I'm old. It hurts to fight. So, no, there are no rules. Exactly. We've had this conversation before, and there was some older guy that got in a fight like last week that texted in. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. There's a, you don't have to know how to fight, just be meaner than the other person. You'll win nine out of ten times. Don't know if I believe yeah. that. Yeah, maybe. Quinn now, says it, the best kind of fight is a one-punch fight. I watched that UFC fight the other night where the guy kneed him in the head as soon as they started fighting. Yeah, that was sick. That was, that was wild. unbelievable. Dude, if uh, you're getting in a fight, I don't care how old you are. If you're getting in a fight where people are around watching you, especially people that you know, and you go for the marbles, you're you're knocked down a couple pegs as a man. 
You say that. I 100% disagree with you. That's fine. You can continue going for the marbles, and I'll fight like a man. I'm going to win if we get in a fight, then. No, uh -uh. uh-uh. Oh, this should be like on the back of a No Fear shirt. Show-offs are usually shown up at the showdown. Loud guy always loses. Stan and Ripley, barroom fights are the best. Beer bottles and pool sticks flying. I had a girl's braid land on my tray in a lunchroom brawl. Oh! Hey, Dad, when's the last time you got in a fight? Eighth grade. So Eighth grade. Didn't it come close to happening in a press box this year? Did I, I get close to getting in a fight? I was thinking you told me there was somebody that you wanted to knock out in a press box this year. That was Rippy. I told you about that. Really? No. No. Oh, you, you wanted to knock Rippy out. Uh, you may not want to talk about it, but I remember you saying you came perilously close to getting in a fight in a press box, which would have been fairly epic, I think. You're going to have to text me to remind me about this. I do not remember. Uh, I remember. Okay. Would have been well-deserved. Yeah. I'm, I remember this, too. I think Hey Dad remembers it as well. I Honestly, I, I think I have an idea, but I don't. I'm not sure. So, I think there was somebody that made some reference to your body type. Oh, 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 yes. That the the the, the thing I didn't hear. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like like that all your there, your there colleagues. There would have been. There's no question. What would have happened? I, I don't mean like the result of the fight, but I mean if you had gotten into a fight in a press box with a colleague. Would the police have been called? Would it have been broken up? Would everybody have gotten a big jolly kick out of it? That's a good question because I've never seen it happen. My my only real question would be, am I going to keep my job at that point? Uh, I think so. I mean, assuming that your press credentials would be permanently revoked. I would think... Hmm. They probably would have just kicked us out for that one game and then sat us down and been like, this never happens again, you're both out. And Yeah. Do you think they would have wanted any explanation as to why it happened? Probably. Would you have been called to John Cohen's office to discuss this? Probably. Or do you think it would have reached that level? I, th- I think that, that he might have been involved at some point, I would think, yeah. If you had taken a big old swing at the guy that was saying something like, to you that he shouldn't have said... Now. No, no, I know. I just it's saying something that shouldn't have been said. Uh you think you'd have knocked him out cold? Cold. Hmm. I like the confidence. It's not even a question for Especially me. Especially from a guy who hadn't been in a fight since eighth grade. I know what I know. This <laughs> would be so much more fun with actual names. Yeah, it would, but that's not gonna happen. Yeah, you can text the show, Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. It is time for the Pearl River Resorts pick of the day. Uh, one and one with one pending, although the outcome's got to be out there for a while. So um, had the Home Run Derby winner on Monday, lost the total on Tuesday. Yesterday took the over four and a half on Ole Miss football for 2019, and there's only one game in American sports tonight. One and game that baseball. counts, anyway. Well, yeah. 
Is there other? There's or, summer I mean, league you, stuff. But. Oh, no, stop taking me to summer league basketball. They've, they, they've shut your boy Zion down from the year. The whole thing's a joke. Not for the year, for the rest of the summer. Why is that? Because he didn't need to play summer league. Yeah, he'd... And he needs well, to get take much him out better the first shape. place. One to see how he would translate, but he needs to get in much better shape. And David Griffin has just straight up said his conditioning is not anywhere close to where it needs to be to play an NBA season. Mm. So yeah, he's been out front about that. So uh, that's well, the case with most rookies, though. It is, and it was the same thing in high school. And then he spent a month at Duke, and everything changed. Is he in the same shape that he was in during the basketball season, or you think he's regressed since? This past basketball season, regressed. It's probably regressed some with the touring and all that stuff that you do with being the number one pick and moving and all that stuff. I'm sure. I mean, he looked great in the nine minutes he played. He looked physically capable, uh, but cardio and and endurance is something he needs to work on in the next few months. Is Zion going to get to a point where you can feed it to him and let him create? It depends on where you feed it. Right now, of course, it was only nine minutes, but like he had Kevin Go- Kevin Knox guarding him for most of the time, and when they got the ball to him on the low, po- low post, I can't talk today, when he was already on the block, physically he looked great. He was athletic, he got around him, he had so, uh, four really good flushes when Kevin Knox was defending him, but a couple of times, especially early, he tried to create off the dribble, starting at the perimeter, and Knox owned him. Knox is long and athletic and, and a good defender, and he, he's not ready to dribble drive on a guy like Kevin Knox just yet. So if you get him the ball in the post, his post moves were great. He's quick twitch and athletic, but he is not ready at all to beat people off the dribble when he's being guarded by six foot nine Kevin Knox, who's not as athletic as him, but can hold his own. Hmm. All right, so your Pearl River Resort pick of the day, Houston Astros at Texas Rangers. Game's at 7 tonight on ESPN. I'll uh, I'll take the underdog on the money line and go with the Texas Rangers. Game one, post-All-Star break. Framber Valdez on the mound tonight for Houston against Lance Lynn, former Ole Miss pitcher, 11-4 on the year with a 1.22 whip. Take... Texas, Texas Rangers plus the 115 tonight. That's your Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Thursday afternoon, a couple of months from right now. I mean, it's going to feel like the start of the weekend right at this time. Five o'clock Thursday afternoon. I mean, that is rolling you into the weekend time once you get to football season. Right now, it's... Yeah, got one more work day. What are we going to do this weekend? Something going on the grill, a little pool action, a little lake action. Although, is it going to rain this weekend? We got that hurricane coming up. Yeah, but I mean, isn't it like Sunday, Monday before that kind of makes it into central and north Mississippi? My forecast is telling me, you know, weatherman Borky here, Mm -hmm. um, that Saturday is when. The temperature will drop here, and we'll we'll start getting some rain and thunderstorms and stuff here in central Mississippi. So it may be Sunday for you, uh, but that thing will start pushing up on us on Saturday. I, I will say this: I, I I mean, obviously, there's concern anytime you have a potential hurricane, but given the spring 
and in some ways early summer that we've had from a rainfall standpoint, but but really going back to the how wet the spring was and the fact that, I mean, you've got water issues in a lot of places, especially in the South Delta. The amount of rain that they're forecasting, terrible for farmers. And some of the videos out of New Orleans and South Louisiana yesterday, I mean, I think I mentioned this, saw a video yesterday of a guy who was swimming, like literally, freestyle stroke on canal in New Orleans. It was wild, and then it was just gone. A couple hours later, I mean, the whole city was underwater, and then I guess the pumps to get it out actually worked, but I keep reading, and tell me if you've read the same thing, they're worried about the levees there, that the Mississippi River through the city is very close to going over the levees, and if this hurricane comes and dumps enough water that they're afraid that the river is going to crest the levees and uh, do some significant flooding. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen concern about that, but I've also seen that there have been some forecasters and some Corps of Engineer-type people who don't think that there will be levy issues. I mean, I guess we're talking about two different things. I mean, maybe some would say immediate concern is a levy breaking. You're talking about, though, the river cresting above the levee. Right, yeah. Which could certainly be a mess. So uh, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on the weather. And obviously, Super Talk Mississippi is your home when um, storms are coming and there's stuff to follow. We will absolutely keep you up to date and uh, try our best to help keep you safe. And uh, we'll want to hear from you as well. If, uh, if there are weather issues in your particular area, then we will certainly want to know about them and, uh, and hear from you. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. 601-879-4395 is the number for the C Spire text line. Love to hear from you. We've heard from a bunch of you this afternoon and always enjoy that. At uh, C Spire Repair Center, they make uh, they love making happier experiences for you. That's why they've got one-hour phone repair, fixing any phone from any carrier with certified parts and technicians Visit cspire.com slash repair to find a repair center near you. Cspire, customer inspired. Time right now for the college football fix. College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Get the Hurry Up and Save sales event going on right now. Great deals, uh, specifically on the Ford F-150 and some others as well. I mean, other vehicles as well. You can find incentives, but really good deals on the best-selling trucks in America for the last 42 years. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports did a hot seat rating for every college football coach. We gave you, what, some unpopular opinions last week? And I told you all 14 coaches in the SEC in 2019 will be back in 2020, which would be a repeat of last year. We had no coaching turnover in the SEC this past year in the uh, in the offseason. So Dennis Dodd puts the scale of zero being untouchable, five being nuclear. He calls it win or be fired. And he says there are only three of those in all of college football. 
Uh, his scale goes from untouchable to safe and secure to all good for now. Pressure is mounting. Start improving now. And then you get to win or be fired. So, um, guys in the SEC. Nick Saban. <laughs> yeah, right. Chad Morris. It's good for now, but doesn't need to probably roll out another 0-8 this year. Not that he's going to be fired, but nevertheless. Yeah, are we low-key not discussing that it was kind of a bad coaching job last year? I know there's a transition year and it's a new system, but Brett Bielema did not leave a roster that was going to intend regardless of system change. Um, I mean, what, what would you have done differently with Chad Morris last year? They had major injury issues. There was a talent deficiency. It was a different system, and they couldn't keep quarterbacks healthy. Right, but in week two, they lost to Colorado State, and in week three, they got smoked by North Texas. They got better as the year went along, right, Hayden? Um, I don't know that I'm ready to see that. I, I kind of look at Chad Morris as a year zero guy. But how's it a roster that couldn't go two and ten? They went four and eight the year before. I, Brett Bielema would have beaten Colorado State and not gotten smoked by North Texas is what I'm trying to say. He lost to Rutgers. He lost to, to Toledo. Okay. Sounds like there's a little agree to disagree in this conversation. That's fine. It's just going two and ten in the SEC. That's that's not that's a bad job. I don't care what you take over or what you did. That is a bad coaching job, exclusively bad. And I know we're comparing well, you, him to Brett you... Bielema, and Brett Bielema got fired for a reason, and he went four and eight in his worst year, and he got fired. But you inherit but the, the four year, and eight yeah. mess, and then turned it into two and ten with losses to Colorado State and getting absolutely smoked by North Texas. Because they were terrible. And running a completely different system. And being terrible doesn't at some point lie on the coach somewhat. An SEC West team losing 44-17 to to North Texas doesn't at some point lie on the feet of the coach regardless of what he took over? I don't think it does when you're in the first season and the roster's in the shape that it's in. It was in 44-17 to loss to North Texas bad. That's how bad the roster was at Arkansas last year? North Texas had a really good quarterback and some athletes on the offensive side of the ball. And Arkansas' defense was a bit... I understand. North Texas was ranked for a hot second there, were they not? And then they lost to Old Dominion and UAB. It's not like it was some world-beater North Texas team. They were good. Mason Fine is good, but beating Arkansas forty-four to seventeen, no, that's inexcusable for an SEC West team to lose to North Texas forty-four to seventeen. Year zero, new system or not? Okay, I mean, if that, if that's a hill that you want to die on, that's fine. I just I think you're going to be on that hill by yourself. I'll be on that hill by myself that an SEC West team should not lose to North Texas 44-17. That's a hill that I will be on by myself. Uh, I think most people... Now, listen. I listened to the Arkansas postgame show after Ole Miss won that game in Little Rock last year, and there are Arkansas fans that agree with you. 
No, because they, they, they just, see that they shouldn't be losing in North Texas, regardless of a system change or not. We're talking about later in the season, though, after watching a, an entire year of it. I, I just, I'm, I mean, if that's how you feel about it, that's fine. No, 2-10 and ten is never acceptable. But you've seen how 4-8 and eight can turn into 2-10 and ten and can turn into an absolute spiral. You saw it at Ole Miss a few years ago. And it was a horrible coaching job. In a disgusting yes, but, roster. But it, was, but it was the back end of a coaching job. Not the first year of a guy that inherited... Okay. A terrible roster. That's a good point. What happened with that terrible roster that was inherited next year by a nobody head coach? Do what? The year after Ole Miss went two and ten, what happened? They went six and six the next year. And they won a bowl game. That's right. A roster with twenty guys that, that, that were good enough that to play stayed, the SEC? That stayed healthy for the entire year. So if Arkansas goes to a bowl game this year, it's all good. Sure. Yeah. We'll look at a couple of these other rankings. Borky passionate about Chad Morris. So you don't think Chad Morris is a good coach? I don't know yet. But year one could have been better. They got better each year in his time at SMU. Sports Talk Mississippi, more of the college football fix when we continue in the Renaissance Bank studio. Responses on the ceasefire text line. Bradley and Marietta, I'm on the hill with you, buddy, talking about Borky and Arkansas and Borky's stance that under no circumstances, first year, bad roster, system change, etc., is 2-10 and 0-8 and and acceptable for an SEC coach. Uh, there was another I'm on that hill, no name, uh, Attached. Uh, somebody pointed out, David and Socher points out that uh, Arkansas is the lone big school in the state. Andy and Tupelo says, dang, guys, stop dying on hills. <laughs> uh, the one last question I have is, is the 2 and 10, 0 and 8 sign, who are they good enough to beat in the SEC? They weren't. Right. They were good enough to beat Ole Miss. They should have. Beat Ole right, Miss their last quarterback. Year. Their quarterback got knocked out of the game, and that was yeah, their well, fault because of a horrendous play so call. Did DK that, Metcalf. <laughs> yeah, but I, still, like, I mean, if you don't throw that BS trick play and and get your quarterback fully extended to get planted into the turf, he doesn't get hurt in that game either. I mean, assuming they were going to hit anybody's a big leap, but anyway, oh, yeah. uh, there was also the guy that in the middle of talking about an SEC Western Division team that both Ole Miss and Mississippi State will face said, move on. I love this guy. Because that's the same thing as stick to sports guy. It's not even about the sports. It's just you're not talking about what I'm going to talk that, about. That, so I'm going to whip out my phone in the car and give you the what for about it. That, that, Thank you, man. Your service is appreciated. <laughs> this show would not function without you, and I cannot commend you for your service. I'm going to give you a pin the next time I see you. Thank you. <laughs> it does not go unnoticed. I love you. Lapel pin or writing utensil? Whatever he prefers. What a hero. <laughs> <laughs> and not all of them wear capes. I bet he's not wearing a cape, but trust me, buddy, your service is appreciated by me. Hey, Dad, do you have anything you'd like to add? Can we please get back to movies? Move on from I this. I don't know. I don't know what to get back to now. 
Uh, we were talking about SEC football. I don't understand. Yeah. I think, like, I think like he wants more was so NBA. angry about it. He was angry. See, th- that's, well, he that's went angry. He was could... fired up about it, though. But yeah, that's not a strong take. It. I like yeah. it. <laughs> but, but the fact that the guy... That, like, that was a genuine debate about SEC football. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. If we're talking about fireworks blowing up in your hand and you get... Uh, move on or stick to sports. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't agree with you, but I, I get where you're coming sports. from. Well, and in truth, I probably disagree with Borky on the North Texas thing because they were pretty good, but Colorado State sucked too. So maybe. Yeah. Arkansas was terrible. Yeah, but Colorado, like or, North Texas was a good North Texas team. Your point, Colorado State was not very good. Like, how, how you lose that? I, that's that's tough. But also, yeah, re- revenge game in week three this year in Fayetteville. And that one will probably be different, and they may be better. I'm not saying they should fire the guy, but I'm saying that we are completely overlooking that that was not a good coaching job. And I use the Ole Miss thing as an example. Hugh Freeze inherited a complete mess. Maybe it's different. It is a little different. And there were some guys on that team that could play. But they went to a bowl game in year one after being embarrassing and non-competitive and out of shape and had academic problems on the roster and a serious culture problem on that roster, and he made it into a bowl team. Even if they, st- if they didn't stay healthy all year, they would have at least looked and have been competitive. Do you know how many home SEC games Arkansas will play this year? Oh, it's like two, right? The answer is two. Yeah, that's see, that, that, that sucks. Hundred and thirty-five million into stadium expansion. They will host Auburn. I bet the people that bought season tickets are fired up. They will host Auburn on October nineteenth, and Mississippi State on November second. All right, because you get a Little Rock game, and then I'm sure it's their turn for the Dallas game to count as a home game. Well, yeah, but I mean, every year that's played in Dallas, right, Arlington. One of them, like, yeah. You go the, yeah. No, I know. I'm with you. They got Missouri and Little Rock to close out the year, A&M in Arlington. So in addition to Auburn and Mississippi State, Razorback fans, you get Portland State, Colorado State, San Jose State. Is that it? And uh, Western Kentucky. There you go. If only Bobby Petrino was still at Western Kentucky. On Dennis Dodd's hot seat rankings, Gus Malzahn coming in at a three. What? Don't people believe that Gus is and Auburn are going to be good this year? Defensively, they on? should be very good. Now, whether or not they can score points on people is a different discussion. That they is were a pretty good defensively rank. last year, right? Yeah. They're not going to be good this year, I don't think. And I would put Gus Malls. They're tired of him down there. They're ready for him to move on. He would have been fired if not for this ridiculous contract. He should be at least a four. And in reality, yeah. he's probably got the hottest seed in the SEC. If if I could bring this to the table, yeah, there are a lot of people saying, oh, Auburn willing to pay that big old buyout. It's just not true. They couldn't come up with the money to buy it out. All right. I mean, I've, I've talked to some Auburn people say, yeah, yeah, isn't, that yeah. two, isn't that two different things, though? They were willing to do it. They just couldn't find the money. Like, it, it, they didn't look at it and be like, no, that's too big. We can't do it. So they, they didn't have the did, money to fire him. They couldn't afford it. Right, but I don't think that di- disproves that they weren't willing to. They just literally didn't have the cash. Oh, no. no. I, I guess that's the point I was trying to make. Yeah. I would just like... But everybody goes with this idea, oh, SEC schools just flush with cash. I mean, yeah, SEC schools have got a ton of money. 
But there aren't many that are willing to throw $30 million just out the window. That's what Auburn would have done. And it's not yeah. that the school wasn't willing to th- throw $30 million out. It's that they couldn't find a booster or a group of boosters willing to do it. Yeah. If they had, if there had been a, you know, a guy who's like, "Hey, I've got you covered." You know, if Tim Cook from Apple says, "I don't like Malzahn, he's got to go." Here's thirty mil. They would have done it. Serious question: If Nick Saban has given Alabama equal production that Gus Malzahn has given Auburn, is Gus on the hot seat today, or are they only talking like this and acting like this because Saban and Alabama have been so dominant? Been so well, dumb. Yeah. Probably there's truth to that, but I think he's beaten. I mean, they're not going to find someone that beats. Like if that's their goal, like or what if that's what they're crazed by, they're not finding one that beats in him, Saban more frequently than him. And that's why yeah. I asked the question: Is this a be careful what you wish for situation? Because what coach in America would be at Auburn currently with what Nick Saban is doing, and also be able to do what Nick Saban is doing? Is there one maybe other than Dabo right now in the country? That could, there isn't, but they could certain. But it's it's still Auburn. You can still get a good coach. The problem yeah, is I mean, they have. A, and a, firing a coach has never been an issue for Auburn. Yeah, they'll get a good coach. They just won't get a coach that can yeah. knock off the Alabama dynasty. But to my question, but would they be would. talking like this if Alabama was well, on no. equal footing? No. Well, the well, they got like a taste of the disillusion because they have been to two national title games and won one in the Saban era. Right. But to think that that's... The expectation is to do that on a year-in, year-out basis, and that's not reality. Uh, almost no pressure for Dan Mullen at Florida, no pressure at all for Kirby Smart at uh, at Georgia. You look at other guys in the SEC. Um, Mark Stoops at Kentucky, they give him a two with the potential for a four. Um, Kentucky won 10 games last year. Yeah, but if they drop back big, if they go 4-8 and eight this year, it's it's going to be, you know, what are we doing? Like David Cutcliffe. That Ed would... Ogeron. Uh, whoa, whoa. Different situation. My, Snoops has proven that he can build a pro. Let me tell you why he's not in trouble at Kentucky. Mitch Barnhart. Mitch Barnhart is a level-headed, big-picture, big-thinking athletics director who does not get swayed by the, well, they only won four this year after they won ten last year. The program's in shambles. I think he realistically looks at Kentucky football and says, he built a team that was able to catch some breaks and had the personnel to win ten ball games. We're not going to have that on a year-in, year-out basis at Kentucky. Let's keep this thing from going in the ditch and then build it back over the next couple of years and get to a point where we have another 10-win season. I think Mitch Barnhart is probably okay with that at Kentucky. Wasn't that why he gave him a two? Yeah, but there's a potential for a four on there. Ed Ogeron, two with a potential for a four. Then you have to ask those questions. Eh, Fair enough. Jim Harbaugh only with a three. Eh. Joe Moorhead with a one. Uh, trying to scroll through and see where Matt Lair, Matt Luke with a two. What's that number if Ole Miss has a chancellor and an AD in place? Is it the same? Yeah, I think it's the same right now. If you have a chancellor and an AD that didn't have a part in hiring him, eh. I would I would bump him up to at least a three. 
Maybe, maybe so. I, I mean, aren't okay? Maybe you got an ID, uh, an AD who needs to make a signature hire. Fair enough. Or just wants his guy. Or wants his guy. But what's I mean? What scenario if this year's Ole Miss football team has a pulse? Does it make sense to? It doesn't move. It doesn't. No pressure on Jimbo Fisher. Little pressure on Jeremy Pruitt. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Station. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, you'll hear an interview with former NFL running back Andre Hardy. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, Thursdays and Fridays, 1 to 2 on most Super Talk Mississippi stations and on demand at supertalk.fm. Plus, it's available everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Next week, Monday through Thursday, Sports Talk Mississippi will be live at SEC Media Days in Hoover. We'll bring you uh, all the cool stuff that's going on. And uh, hopefully have some fun interviews and uh, information along the way. Don't forget, there's an opportunity for you to donate to the online auction as we get ready for the 7th Annual Palmer Home for Children Radiothon. It's coming your way on July 25th. If you've got something that you'd like to donate to be auctioned off during the Radiothon, let us know by emailing donate at supertalk.fm. Your business gets great exposure across the state of Mississippi on Supertalk. And it's a great cause. So if there's anything that you would like to donate for the online auction that coincides with the 7th Annual Palmer Home Radiothon, we would love to hear from you. Again, it's donate at supertalk.fm. Guthrie, Oklahoma. Two people were arrested after a traffic stop of a stolen car And it revealed the two had a rattlesnake, radioactive uranium, a gun, and an open bottle of Kentucky Deluxe. Must have been one hell of a themed party. (laughs) Rippy, see if you can find a uh, suggested retail price of Kentucky Deluxe. I'd like to find out what kind of... uh... How about retail uranium? Yeah, I'm not worried about that. Wait, Stephen wait. Jennings. Kentucky what? Kentucky Deluxe. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a it's $19 handle of whiskey. Oh, oh, I bet that's good neat. It's sharp. That's kind of it's what I suspected. Stephen Jennings is charged with possession of a stolen vehicle, transporting an open container of liquor, operating a vehicle with a suspended license, and failure to carry security verification form. Rachel Rivera, who was with him, is charged with possession of a firearm after a former felony conviction. Hmm. Not her first rodeo. Traffic stop was made at 11 a.m. in a Guthrie, Oklahoma neighborhood. Why? It's always the car tag. Car tag was expired. Jennings was driving, Rivera was the passenger, and in the back seat, a pet timber rattlesnake in a terrarium. It was named Happy. At about the same time that Jennings told officers that he had a gun in the console, 
police got the feedback on the old scanneroo machine that they've got on the dashboard, learning that the Ford that this couple was driving was stolen. Seems like a real straight shooter, though. He told him where the gun was. Guthrie Police Sergeant Anthony Gibbs, quote, So now he's got a rattlesnake, a stolen vehicle, firearm, and somebody under arrest. Police also found an open bottle of Kentucky Deluxe next to the gun. To top it all off, a search of the vehicle revealed a canister of radioactive powdered uranium. More from Sergeant Gibbs. When that happens, of course, we call in a company that deals with that specifically, and it's taken safely into possession. The uranium in the wild uh, is the wild card in that situation. <laughs> By yeah, the way, the uranium true in most situations. Yes, yes, I would agree. The uranium hasn't resulted in charges. Guthrie said police are still trying to figure out exactly what the suspects were going to use it for. Also, no charges for the rattlesnake. More from Sergeant Gibbs. Quote, It happens to be rattlesnake season, so he can be in possession of this rattlesnake because he has a valid lifetime hunting and fishing license. It's a pet. It's the family pet. They snuggle with it at night. There is a lot going on here. Well, the uranium is the most interesting, right? Because I'm sitting here trying to find uses for uranium, for uranium that are not like nuclear bomb-making ways. I'm going to bet the whiskey was not the only thing. Go back and watch their favorite sporting events. I'm going to bet the whiskey was not the only thing flowing through the bloodstream. Why do you always make that assumption? I mean, first stream. it's Bill Walton, and now it's the uh, Rivera lady and uh, yeah, I, I don't and know Jennings why I picked Guthrie. Bill Walton for that. I really have no idea. I, I apologize for Bill. It's completely the, unfounded. But yeah, same with I apologize for the rattlesnake uranium guy for not thinking that he'd only had a glass or two of whiskey when you know traveling with uranium <laughs> and a snake. I don't think it's a glass. What? I think the man drinks it straight from the bottle. Straight from the bottle. The bottle might be made of glass. No. Technically, then it's no. a glass. Not these bottles hey, Borky, are not. Borky, no. Borky, here's a question. Is um, radioactive powdered uranium a new material or a new ingredient for meth? I'm trying to find out that answer, and I can't find it. Um, Brad in Burnsville, nothing like a little Kentucky Deluxe rattlesnake venom and a sniff or two of uranium. It really puts you in, in the mood. I don't think meth. I don't think uranium does anything with meth. You can't put uranium in your body; it, it will kill you instantly. I would think. Uh, depends on how small the dose is. There, science guy. I'm, I feel pretty confident in my opinion here. Tim and McGee. I bet they get citizens of the year. It's like a mad. Do you believe the rattlesnake is the? the te- do you believe the rattlesnake is the pet, or do you think it's like a test subject? Subject. We, well, we had meth squirrel the other day, so, you know. Or it's a defense thing. Like, mess with me and I'll throw my I'll rattlesnake my, I'll at I'll happy the rattlesnake on you. I'm just amazed this story didn't happen in Florida. That's the real news breaking for me. C Spire text line, fun fact, Guthrie was the first capital of Oklahoma. Hey. Good to know. If it ever goes back, we know who to vote for mayor. <sighs> 
Sergeant Gibbs for those great quotes. This guy's living free and living right, in my opinion. <sighs> yeah, I thought this was America. What's wrong with... <laughs> I was thinking about that earlier with about fights and taking your shirt off. Oh, I thought this was America. I get to fight at the state championship game. <laughs> oh, man, I just found the uh, mugshot of this guy. And? Handsome devil. He's got a, I think he's got a ponytail. I am so not surprised. I bet he has a tattoo as well. Of the snake. <laughs> um, how uranium ore is made into nuclear fuel. Forky, have you found any? Nothing, man. I, I, I Google you know, practical uses for uranium. There's going to be some law enforcement agents popping up in the studio tomorrow from what I've Googled about uranium, but uh, no, nothing. I've Googled. Yeah, same. I Googled uranium meth. Nothing. Uranium to make drugs, nothing. Uranium nuclear bombs, well, that turns up something. MBI, what I'm saying is this was for work purposes. You don't have to show up here. You know the NSA is listening in, so. Uranium is a very important element because it provides us with nuclear fuel used to generate electricity, also used by the military to power nuclear submarines. Yeah, okay, thanks. I understand that. Is this like your Heisenberg moment here, where you realize I can make meth with uranium, so I'm going to start doing that instead of cast, even doing sports casting? They were innovators in their Who, field, me? is what they were. You, I'm what you're, you're very into. What can we can we make your meth out of uranium? No, no, it's not meth. I'm just curious what it was for. I mean, were they trying to make a bomb? Probably. I could buy I know, it. Yeah, but, what else yeah, do I know but, about these people? But, but, hey, Dad, I'm I'm looking at these mug shots and. They don't really look like bomb-making people. I need to look at the mugshot, I guess. Like, everything else in this story makes sense. Like, these people having a snake in the back makes sense. Stolen car makes sense. Gun, sure. Cheap whiskey, absolutely. My question is, if the um, if the license plate is not suspended, do they get pulled over in the first place? Nope. So we've got expired tag... On a stolen car, which really is just bad luck if you think about it. <laughs> Good point. I mean, I'm sure there's some karma that's mixed in there. This guy totally looks like a bomb-making person. Nah. Yeah, but if you're making bombs, you're really risking driving around on a stolen car with expired tags and a snake in the back. I, I, no, but, but see, that's the thing, Borky. I don't think he realized he had an expired tag. Yeah. I think they stole a car, and it was just dumb bad luck. That the car they stole had an expired license plate. There was not an APB out for the stolen car. It wasn't until they ran the tag that the cops figured out that the car was stolen. So you have an expired tag. Maybe somebody else's uranium. A stolen car. Ooh. That's oh, not wow. mine. Galaxy Maybe brain that right there. wasn't there at a boy. Maybe the powdered uranium didn't actually belong to them, and maybe Stephen Jennings and Rachel Rivera are actually heroes because they foiled a bomb-making scheme. A rattlesnake? Kentucky Deluxe? Hmm. Get Hollywood on the phone. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.